Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Anxiety, the podcast from Lighthouse Hockey. My name is Dan Saracini. Do not adjust your devices. Uh, we are coming to you just a couple of days after our last episode. Uh, joining me via Skype once again is my friend Michael Leboff. Mike, are you ready for some Islanders West Coast hockey action? Oh yeah, it's the best. I, I wish I did it more often, but uh, it's it's it's. <laughs> Jimmy's it's, ready too. Yeah, Jimmy's ready. Uh, we we timed it perfectly, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to uh, to stay up late and and be disappointed right before I go to bed. <laughs> that's the way to do it. That's that's awesome. Well, joining us from the West Coast uh, to tell us all about that and uh, other Islanders goings on uh, is our friend Arthur Staple of the Athletic. Art, how's it going? Uh, it's good. I'm also ready to stay up late and be disappointed, but I'll actually be here watching it. <laughs> hey, for you, it'll the, the games will end uh, pretty early. You can have the rest of your night to yourself, which is pretty cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, these uh, these games are always a fun mix of uh, hey, they always play well against these teams, and then like oh man, I stay up till one o'clock in the morning to watch that. But um, let's start with um, Saturday's game in Nashville, Western Conference team, not necessarily West Coast team. Uh, that game was a lot more like the Islanders' first game of the season in Carolina, in the sense that they did not play particularly well. The first period was awful. They kind of redeemed themselves in the second, and then just got shut out basically by a much better team in the third um is is it might be too early to ask this question but do you have a sense of like how this version of the team is going to tackle adversity like that as opposed to the last version of the team i mean i think uh, talking to some of the guys and obviously we qualify all of this with it's still very early not just in the season but in barry trotz's tenure as coach so i think um just listening to some of the longtime Islanders who are not trying to directly criticize anybody that came before Barry Trotz, but are saying this guy exudes a real calm atmosphere on the bench. He and his assistants have been around the block a lot. They've been around the block a lot together in very high pressure situations. So um, it's uh, it, it definitely has a different feel. So I would imagine that 
they'll be able to rebound. Uh, Trotz really believes in what he's teaching them, and he knows it's going to take some time. So I don't think there's going to be uh, the feeling of panic day by day that, that kind of set in about December of last season. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Um, yeah, it's funny. Uh, in in the, uh, the article you wrote today about uh, the fourth line being reunited, uh, there was one quote from Cal Clutterbuck that, that stuck out to me that was a lot like what you were just saying, which is basically what I have it here. Um, uh, you know, we had a lot of guys. Oh, here. When you throw in a team system that lends itself to everyone being successful, playing fast, looking fast, that's good for everyone. We had a lot of guys who looked like they were having bad years last year who weren't bad players. It's just different. We're in a system that works cohesively, not individually. Um, and I was like, wow, that's like you said, he's not directly calling anybody out, but he kind of is. Um, but you get a, so you get a sense from the players that they, they feel it's different too. Like it really is a different kind of vibe in the locker room. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, it definitely, uh, you know, when the first day of training camp really, it wasn't like a conditioning test or something where they're, you know, the new coaching staff had to assert themselves by making guys do what would appear to be sort of needless things because they're all pro athletes and mo- almost all of them come into camp in good shape. Um, it was it was hard work. It was a lot of one on one battle drills. It was a lot of there was no yelling. There was just a lot of commanding talk. And I just saw a lot of faces in the locker room afterwards that were kind of like, you know, kind of like a a, a weary smile of like, oh, like that's that's what that <laughs> is about. That's right. When you have a Stanley Cup winning coach who's been in the league for 20 years, that's how you're supposed to work. And that's the level that he expects. So it's I think it it, it has been different from day one. And, um, you know, I, I think it's pretty evident uh, they've really only been completely outclassed by Nashville twice and a little bit by Carolina, both of whom are off to really good starts. So it's hard to really get a sense. But this is not a team that's very talented. They are a veteran team, and I think they're expected to pick the stuff up and play to a certain level and, and hope for uh, good defense, good goaltending, and, and some wizardry from their their few skilled players. So, uh, you know, I think the blueprint is in place. It's just a matter of whether they can do it night in and night out. <laughs> yeah. There, there's a there's a great quote in that that Trotz gave about uh, that, that I never thought of, and, and I could guarantee you that probably the, the two former coaches never thought about how he matched he was matching two lines against their the other team's top lines so that the other team could have pick up his cadence which i was like damn like he's thinking about this game on a completely different level from from for basically anybody on this in this organization has ever thought about it since arbor yeah it's uh it, it, it he is uh he is you know he's a very easygoing guy and accessible and he explains a lot well to us idiot reporters who and then can in turn explain it well to the fans, but, but just, he's, he's supremely confident in what he does. I think it's just, you know, years and years of doing it, doing it, uh, to some quick success in Nashville with a team that was probably less talented than this one, even though it was 20 years ago. And then harnessing the wild, you know, skill of the guys in Washington to obviously the, the, the greatest heights that that organization ever achieved. So, yeah, I think he's. I think he knows what he's doing, and he knows he knows what he's doing. So he's not going to waver from it. And um, it's it is it is impressive to hear him talk that way in a very plain sense, where there's not a lot of subtext to it. Um, and uh, and I think the players are getting That's that as cool. well. No, it's good to hear. Yeah, those the press conferences. I mean, I you know we always want to listen to them because we just want to hear what they have to say. But I don't look for. I never look forward to the other ones as much as I look forward to hearing Trotsky because, like you said, he just he puts things in plain English and and you can understand it. And and there's no like, you know, it's it's almost as if he's never read Isles Twitter. Go figure, you know, like he doesn't he doesn't kind of like you know <laughs> dive into almost like you know fan the fires of of the Twitter rage machine all day. And it's nice. It's nice to it's a nice change of pace. That's good. Um, one thing though, it's funny. And I, I mean, I, I totally get what you're saying. Like that there's, there's a different vibe in there. Uh, one, which is funny because, you know, they, we were just, you and I were just talking about this before we came on that they, they signed Steven Gianta basically <laughs> in an emergency capacity, which is like the most Islanders thing to do, even though everybody is kind of new. Um, but they did that a little differently too, because he's on waivers and he's apparently going to just go back to Bridgeport. So Casey Zizekas is expected to play Wednesday. And then Gianta will be, I guess he'll, he'll definitely clear. And then they'll just send him back to Bridgeport when they come back. Is that sort of the plan 
Yeah, I think, you know, I think the hesitation that most fans felt that little mm. gasp that they that they that they exuded uh, when they saw that Gianta was signed uh, is because in past years, that tryout guy who was signed would end up playing 40 right. or 50 games. And that may still happen here. Uh, I think a lot would have to happen for that to occur. But um, I think they really viewed it as a as a short term stopgap, a way to get Gianta onto the roster without having to do any juggling and now he can be waived and go down and play in Bridgeport where they're they're kind of uh, they're certainly not NHL veterans shy they've got a lot of guys that they've got to rotate through their lineup because you're only allowed to use a certain number of NHL veterans in an NHL lineup but obviously for the amount that he'll play he's gonna he's gonna be a guy that you know does the the Gianta family stuff lead by example all that good stuff so I think uh, I think there's there's some harmony between Lamarillo and Trotz here, where Lamarillo's instincts, which have not really proven to be so great in terms of signing guys so far in the couple months he's been on the job, but also balanced with Trotz, who has a very clear idea of what he needs from his lineup and is not really going to waver from it because the GM says, "Yeah, we're signing this guy, and you're going to." Yeah, keep I him. mean, Luca Spiza, the the guy who was like, <laughs> he was basically the designated whipping boy before the season even started. Uh, you know, he played a couple of games and he hasn't been seen since. And now I'm sure he's going to play again at some point. But that to me was a telling sign that things are different. Like, you know, previous coaches who shall remain nameless would have played that guy into the ground and, and you know, everybody would have been screaming and yelling for them. But it was pretty obvious that he, he hadn't played all that. I mean, OK, they signed him still. But I think, like you said, Trotz has an idea of what he wants and, and he wasn't getting it. So he sat the guy and Scott Mayfield was in and a bunch of. Again, Spiza will be back, but, you know, I, I think so. We all just have to kind of like take the trots train and uh, just, you know, enjoy the ride because this guy does kind of know what he's doing. And, and we just we haven't had that before in a very, very long time. Um, what's the deal? I mean, with this schedule, though, you know, I, I watched that game on Saturday and obviously the Islanders were extremely outclassed by a very, very good team, an elite team. But I wonder if this like crazy schedule has, you know, not to give them an excuse, has, has ruined them a little bit too. Like, have you ever seen anything like this where a team plays once in nine days? That's that's kind of ridiculous. I mean, that, and not being an all-star break, that's kind of ridiculous. It is a little ridiculous. It's usually, uh, you know, October is usually jam-packed for the Islanders and not necessarily with mm. a lot of home games. Um, but yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, I think, you know, whether it's the World Cup, uh, a couple of years ago, condensing the schedule when they've had Olympics condensing the schedule. Uh, we're not used to seeing all this time off, even with in the era of the five day CBA mandated break, which apparently everyone's going to get at the same time this year in January. So I think there's going to be a couple of scenarios like this throughout the year for teams where they just sort of have very few games in a long space of time. And you probably hope for it to be further along in the schedule when you, your guys are more banged up. But as it happens now, uh, Akin, you know, apropos of what I wrote today, Casey Zekas was the one who was banged up during this kind of long stretch off, and they kind of need Casey Zekas <laughs> right now. So uh, it's probably an okay thing that they only went one game without him, and uh, and not many more. I guess is the is the plan. But yeah, it's definitely uh, it's definitely a strange schedule, and uh, it takes a little getting used to. But I think that's another aspect of Barry Trotz has been around the block a lot. He's seen all different schedules and travel and doing all this different kind of stuff working in the western conference and the eastern conference before so i don't think it phases a lot of the guys around there i I think a couple of the other teams had like i I was looking at the standings i guess maybe saturday or something and i saw that the lightning had just played like two games and so i I want i don't know what it is but the nhl never like you know i feel like the the nba gives it a reason they'll be like yeah we're starting the season early because of so and so and so and so whereas the nhl is just like Here's the schedule. Make of it as you may, and we'll, we'll probably tweak it. I know at the some Devils point. were in Europe because I noticed they had only played two games, and I was like, "Oh wait, they were in like Switzerland and Sweden, so they have an excuse." But the Islanders don't have an excuse. <laughs> they just they just got this awful, weird schedule, which is a little bit uh, strange. Um, I guess speaking of the schedule and speaking of home games, um, you know, have you have you gotten the sense that these guys are relieved that they're going to have to play fewer games in Brooklyn this year <laughs> than than ever. And uh, then they're going to be going back to the Coliseum. That was a huge thing last year. Like, oh, the players want it. They're going to play more games back there. But, uh, you know, the first part of the season is mostly in Brooklyn. But now things are starting to leak out like it's a problem and they didn't like it. They don't like the commute. 
Uh, is there a relief there too that they're just they're, they're kind of done with this place a little bit? Much as, as as much as Barclay Center seems to be done with the Islanders, I mean they're not completely done because they still have right. the Coliseum <laughs> too. But that's you know can never really be rid of this this crazy <laughs> marriage. But uh, but yeah, it was it was always an issue, and it was they made the best of it because they happened to be. The first two years uh, in Brooklyn, they were really good in Brooklyn. Um, and I think that sort of alleviated a little bit. But when we got into last season and, and the Tavares situation was starting to, you know, bubble up a little bit more, it was it was a lot more obvious that the conversations that were had much more behind the scenes and very off the record started to creep closer to on the record <laughs> about how much the guys didn't like it. And, and headlining that was how much Tavares didn't like it, uh, which which, of course, meant that most everyone else didn't really matter whether they liked it or not. But, um, you know, so I think, uh, I, I think it's, it became obvious. And I think, um, you know, when they changed the number of games there, uh, before Tavares's decision, I think that was a nod to Tavares and the rest of the team. And I fully believe that if he had signed, uh, they'd be playing even more game. Like they would have, they would have put more money into, into finishing, the things they need to finish in Nassau Coliseum in a quicker timeline, and they would have taken more games away from Brooklyn. So I think it's all leading towards next season being entirely in Nassau Coliseum, also the season after that, and then we'll see what happens with Belmont. But yeah, I think I think everybody's relieved from from uh, players down to fans. There was less than 9,000 in the building for the matinee against the Sharks last week. I think we're going to see a lot of that until they get to the Coliseum, and that's going to really uh, push this thing to the no more... No more Brooklyn uh, in the yeah, future. Yeah, that's what we've been talking about. Are, that's, I was, I was going to ask. I was going to ask where, where your um, attendant, your annual attendance woes article was. That seems like every every other outlet was putting out there. Uh, yeah, we, I don't. Why did we get one? I don't know if that's uh, in the athletics wheelhouse to to start writing. I, I I just feel like it's so obvious the reasons that no one's going to go this year to Brooklyn that most of the fans are waiting until they get to the Coliseum, obviously Tavares leaving uh, certainly has an impact in the beginning of the year until they can show that they might be a decent team. And, um, and frankly, they never draw in October outside of the opener. And if they get a, a Ranger game or a big team to come in, it's, you know, uh, Florida comes in next week to Brooklyn <laughs> and that's going to, in the middle of the week, like if they were coming to the Coliseum in the middle of the week in October, four years ago, even when the team was 18 and seven, it still would draw Nine thousand. So it's yeah. That's you know, something we always this, point out. <laughs> there's some things that that have to change uh, gradually over time, and uh, hopefully they will. But it ain't. Gonna I think be if you year. added up the attendance of every Islanders Panthers regular season game in both on both Long Island and in Florida, I don't think it would it would be as many people as like the Jets get on a regular day. Like I just don't, it's, it's gotta be the least <laughs> amount of people. Again, it's not an island, like in Florida. I mean, who, who, you know, you get a bunch of, you know, tra- expat New Yorkers that show up at a Panthers game in, in October, like you said, to watch them again, it was ex- excluding the playoff series, obviously, but man, those games have never drawn anything. Um, all right. Well, um, so the last one for me, I guess is, is another kind of more general thing. And I, I'm kind of fascinated by the whole trots experiment so far. So this is kind of along the same lines, but um, I think it was after the Nashville game again, or it might have been after practice. I forget what, but he was on a video thing, and he he mentioned something along the lines of like they're still trying to like kind of get a read on guys and and you know kind of lo- trying to learn who's here and what they have. Um, I mean, do, do you get the sense from him that there's this is kind of like an extended training camp in a way, and that there could be bigger changes kind of down the road or is this, I mean, cause you, you've seen this team a lot and you know, there haven't been a whole lot of lineup changes in that time. Um, but I mean, th- these guys are different and I wonder if like, if they notice that something's not working or they're just not as deep as some other teams, forget about it, a team like Nashville, even a mediocre team, if they would make a change really quickly after they're like, okay, we know what this guy's all about. We can get rid of him. Goodbye. I don't know if you see that kind of coming up in the near future. <laughs> I don't know about a wholesale change. I mean, I think when you look at some of the decisions that, that they've made that have been a little curious, whether it was sending Devon Taves down and keep and keeping Spiza towards the end of training camp or, uh, you know, sending Jan Kovash on his way to Bridgeport and now elsewhere, probably back to Russia um, in favor of keeping Ross Johnson on the roster or uh, keeping, you know, 
Valtteri Filppula and guys like that. I, I don't, I wouldn't say that it's, it's a complete nod to, to Lou and the people that he signed, but I think at the beginning of the year, Barry Trotz likes to play as veterans. And I think that really was the, the Spiza versus Tave situation. And, and, uh, you know, Filppula versus Kovash, Filppula got a no move clause. He's a known quantity. Leo Komarov got a four year deal. So I think for all of Trotz's independence, uh, and clearly knowing what he needs, I think he's still, uh, maybe on the fringes of the roster, exceeding to some of the wishes of his GM, at least in the short term. But I, but I imagine that, um, you know, as the season goes on here, you know, guys will get hurt or the usual array of players. I, I think, I think they're going to know what they have pretty yeah. quickly. And, uh, you know, I think, I think it's clear what they have. They have a couple of talented young guys up front and a couple of talented young guys on defense and a couple more waiting in the wings in, in Bridgeport and not a lot else. Um, so I think it's, you know, I think it's, it's going to be a year of trapping and grinding and getting, trying to get good goaltending. And it's not going to be nearly as exciting as it's been in recent years, but if they win, then I guess that makes it more exciting. So it's kind of a, it's an interesting split. I think for the, for the fans that they're not going to be nearly as dynamic as they've been, uh, you know, in the last four years or so, but if they play defense and get goaltending, they might win a lot more games. Uh, so I think you have to kind of pick which one you're looking for. And I obviously for Barry Trotz, it's I'm going with the lineup that's going to win me a game, preferably two, one or three, one, because we don't really want to play a six, five game like the way they wanted to last year. Yeah. So and he's used to um, I, it's, it is interesting and, and we'll see if there are any minor changes, but I don't think, you know, other than guys that are going to be free agents next year, Jordan Everly, Brock Nelson, um, you know, at, as we get along here, when they start thinking about maybe trading guys if the season goes really bad, but I don't think that's anything yeah. in the short term. Interesting. All right. Yeah. I actually have a couple, couple like Everly to me, like is an interesting case. Cause he came, he's, he came for, he's been here for, you know, what a year, a little over a year now to calendar wise, like his, so his kind of 10,000 foot picture of this franchise is so different from, you know, say like the Brock Nelsons or the Anders Lees who are UFAs as well. Like, I just wonder like what that kind of like short term kind of look at this franchise being going from completely off the rails, dysfunctional to now having some stability. Like, what does he actually think the Islanders are is to me? Because because to me, like, I'm pretty sure I know what Brock Nelson and Anders Lee do. Like, this is like a quirky franchise. They're, They're very much like us against the world. They kind of bought into that a while ago, and it's kind of what they came up with. Whereas, like, Everly is a little different. He came from a team in an established market to then this team that then on, went through wholesale changes. So I think he's going to kind of be an interesting uh, player just to, to watch in, in, in a contract year. And, and I wonder if how, like, because the, the Islanders are very they, – they haven't – they've been very coy about, like, his situation. We've already heard about the Anders Lee things. So I think something popped mm-hmm. up today about it but but like i don't i w- I just wonder if he's just kind of gonna fly under the radar uh until basically it was it's put up or shut up time and i i i i, I like what's he what's i guess what's he been like in through this whole process art is, is a question i want to know about everly because he seems a little quieter and uh stuff and i mean he's great i love watching him he's an awesome player but i think I just, for him um anything that's not the situation he had in edmonton is probably good <laughs> You know, I, I think he was, uh, along with Taylor Hall, kind of uh, the focus of a lot of ire of why that team could never succeed. And it really, you know, he was pretty successful for a lot of years on a team that, that could never get it together and looked a lot like the Islanders and, you know, having uh, an occasional good year and then followed by three bad ones. So, you know, I think when he came here last year, he said all the right things and clearly meshed with the right guy in Barzal. Um but I don't know. Uh, I don't know what his future holds. Uh, you know, I think he's he's kind of the wild card. He does do a lot of good things. I think you know the way that he played in Nashville on Saturday um, really energized that line that hadn't kind of done a lot the first few games. He's going to get his 50, 55, 60 points because he plays in the power play. He's a good five on five player. He just he drives the play pretty well. Um, I just think he's you know this is what eighth or ninth year in the league for him. If he's going to be a guy that gets that that label of not a winner i don't know where you go from here for him you know he already had a pretty sizable contract that he's coming off of i don't know what kind of raise he's going to get off of that next year 
whether it's with the Islanders or somewhere else, uh, especially if Anders Lee, as it seems, will get uh, you know a long-term extension to go with the captain's D. Um, so, yeah, you know, he, he does like the low-key part of it, that there's bigger stars and, and more attention-getting people. But uh, I think, uh, you know, from a playing standpoint, you know, I think he gives you what he gives you. And I don't know if he's a guy that you want as one of your four or five high-paid, talented guys or whether he needs to be on a team where he blends more into the background and, and kind of, you know, does what he does, but in a much in a much more quiet way. I, it, it's... Uh, He's definitely a, a bit of a question mark going forward. I wonder if he would take less because he's already been one of those well-paid, you know, four or five highest-paid stars on the team, you know? I wonder if that would work that way, but probably not. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know if he'd take less on a, on a really untalented <laughs> team like this one. No. Also true. It, but it was, it was funny how that, that line did just all of a sudden Brock Nelson was playing yeah. well and Anders Lee is like out, out of nowhere. It's like, why are why, they're doing this against a really good team? Where has this been? Hopefully, it's the sign of things to come because, uh, it's like, like going into the season, we, we we said the Islanders had two basically first lines and then two four, fourth lines. And if they don't have two top six lines going, uh, it's it's going to be a bit of a disaster. Uh, so yeah. I wonder, I, and I wonder how long it would have taken, like, if, if, if they hadn't gotten their act together, if, if, Trotz was going to pull the plug on the all right Barzal and or Eberle have to get back together <laughs> because uh, they weren't getting anything out of that second line. Yep. Yeah, that that that's a difficult one just because that Lee Nelson combo, uh, you know, they were good together a few years ago when they were younger, but uh, I don't know if they're they're enough of a force five on five. And now, you know, after Nashville, I would imagine La- Andrew Ladd's going to get a chance to play with Barzal for a bit. Um, you wonder if uh, you know. If Bailey doesn't fit well with those guys, whether you switch that around, where Anthony Beauvillier fits, um, yeah, it's it's kind of you know they they needed they need things to go right to to have some success and and obviously that you can't have the same four lines together all the way through even for a month or two. So we'll see what they come up with uh, this week out here and whether uh, that can get a yeah, few guys. That was going. our first look at the uh, the Trots line blender. So we, we don't have enough information yet on it but to know where everybody's going to go. But that was the first time I was like, what, a Clutterbuck's out here with Barzell? Like, it was, like, it was a, lot of weird, a lot of weird people on the ice trying to get anything going against a team that I don't know what they could have done against those guys. But, you know, could have showed up, I guess. But that first period was, was really awful. Uh, all right. Well, thanks again, Art. We really appreciate it. Uh, enjoy your time out on the West Coast. We'll see you when you get back. Uh, thanks for giving us a few minutes and your incredible insights as also as always. Everybody should be reading art at the Athletic all the time. Get a subscription, just do it. You, you can't be an Islanders fan without one, so just do it <laughs> and read art every day. So thanks a lot. Thanks right. a lot, guys. Take care. See you. Right. Take care. See you later, bud. All right. So yeah, that was great as always. Uh, art brings the good stuff, and uh, yeah, you know it's it's just a fascinating. The more I kind of watch. Trots thing. The more I kind of like, am kind of fascinated by how he does things. He's so calm. He's like an Easter Island Moai. He's just this like giant head, and he's just giving out wisdom. <laughs> I assume they give out wisdom if you you know hear the the wind in in their their lips or something like that. But uh, yeah, and <laughs> but that game though, you know, <laughs> I don't want to sound like defeatist or I don't want to sound like you know, you know, you're not being hard enough on them. You got to be harder on them. like. They, they were probably never going to win that game in Nashville. Yeah, they could have played better. That first period was trash. They all knew it was trash. Um, they played way better in the second period. And what was it, 3-2 after after two? And, you know, you thought, hey, maybe they can pull something out here. Yeah. But, I mean, just that third period was just textbook. Like, these guys are way better than us. <laughs> and there's not much we can do about it. I wouldn't even fault any of those five goals against on Robin Leonard. Like, I, I don't think he played all that poorly at all. I think he played all right. He just... You know, there was always somebody in in the way and making these crazy shots. And uh, I thought that Thomas Hickey actually had a bad game, which is hard for me to say because I really like Thomas Hickey. But it just seemed like every time something bad happened, he was on the ice. So, you know, what are you going to do? Like, it's just one of those things. They could have played better. They could have made more of a game out of it like they had at their in their game against the Predators in Brooklyn. But, you know, that didn't happen in four days off. What are you going to do? Right. Yeah, it's funny because if you, if you look at it as two games, basically – that's exactly what you'd expect the Predators and Islanders kind of to do. Uh, you know, 
Well, Islanders to lose both. For right. Sure. Yeah. But but, you know, they had they had they had their moments. But in the end, it, the Predators pulled away and, and right. kind of just showed like the, the gap in class between the two of them. So, uh, yeah, if you if you thought the Islanders were going to do anything like above steal that game, whether like through, through goaltending <laughs> or whatever, you, you're, you're looking at everything through a rose color visor. But uh, we're we're yeah, like it's like before the season started, this is where you said the Islanders would be. I'd be all right. I mean, you're looking you look at the Red Wings right now, like they're, I don't think they've, they've won yet. They're, they're getting blown out again. So it's like, like the, it, things could be a lot worse than they are. Um, and, and I think it's going to be a good couple of games in on the West coast because the ducks and the Kings kind of play a similar style to the Islanders where yeah. they don't really generate that many shot attempts. They don't really drive, yeah. drive play. So it's going to kind of be like, I don't think that these games are going to be pretty on the eye, but I think that you'll, no. uh, you'll get a, a good look because I think those teams are kind of I think the Ducks when they're healthy are obviously a lot better than the Islanders but like right now I, th- I think they're kind of you know in that maybe third tier of teams the Kings and the, the Ducks maybe in that second and the Kings are kind of near the top of the third but the Islanders are are kind of in there where if they played you know 100 times the Island you could expect the Islanders to win like 45 of them against the Kings so uh yeah. I think I think I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think these this will be a good barometer of, of where the team actually is on Wednesday yeah, the Ducks are one of those teams that's like they're always a playoff team, but they're never really one you think of as a Stanley Cup contender. Now, watch, they're going to go on to win the Stanley Cup this year because I said that. But they're just they're really good. I think Ryan Getzlaff is hurt now. Is that correct? I think he might yeah. miss that game, which would be a huge deal for the Islanders for sure. Um, but yeah, both those teams are really slow. They're the Ducks have been boring for for years. It's really sad. The Kings, you know, I don't know if I'd call them boring, but they don't play the most exciting. I mean, Drew Doughty's exciting. But other than, and Kopitar is great, but other than that, they they play a really slow, boring style kind of too. So it should be good. And then they got a rematch with the Sharks, who are just I don't know. One of these days, the Sharks are going to break out, and you just hope it's not against the Islanders at home on Saturday night. So we'll have to see how how that works out. But um, you know, like I said, I just I was watching that third period, and it just it was very evident that this these were two teams on two totally different tracks. Like you know. One of them is an elite Stanley Cup contender, and they played like it. There was not a, an ounce of air to be seen in any moment on the ice. The Islanders never really had much generated in that third period. Uh, Brock Nelson came within a hair of tying it. He actually beat UC Soros in the five hole, and the puck was just angled in such a way that it bounced off of one of the posts. So it was like an, he was an inch from tying the game. And that was when I was like, well, that's that. <laughs> They're not going to get a better chance than that. And, um, you know, again, I can't, I can't be too mad about losing that game. Like it's just, it is. And I it think, is. I think you, you could also, you take the positive that that line showed up, like we were saying. And yeah, I, no, they were really it, good. It's yeah. just, it's so funny. I want, I just, I want one of these days I'm going to sit down and just watch all of Brock Nelson's good games and all of his bad games. And just, cause it's just, I, I, I honestly don't know what he's doing differently. I don't have, I mean, we're not, we're not <laughs> if we knew we'd, we'd be making a lot more money, right? right. but like you look at him, you're like, why he looks so much better today. And I don't know why, like, what is he doing yeah. in this game that he doesn't do in those other games where he's, he like, yeah. he actually, he looked really good that uh, on, on Wednesday night. And he's there. And, and Butch was like, Butch was like, he's such a streaky player. And and when I when mm. I think of streaky players, I think of like Miro Shatan, right, and Victor Kozlov, where like they're streaky because they they take they, they it's all shooting streaks. It's not it's not it's nothing mm. to do with like actually like their overall game. And Nelson's different because <laughs> Nelson's streaks have to do everything with his overall game. It's you know it's not right. just like him getting the hot hand. I know he sc- ends up scoring in buckets, but like. When he's going, he's like, you're like, wow, look at him. He's digging the puck out and in his own net and winning it. But it lasts one game. Right? Yes. yes. <laughs> but the going lasts one yeah, game. I just and it's yeah. No, I agree. He's the most confounding <laughs> uh, player I think I've ever dealt with. Yeah, no, I I agree. He he is like that. And you know, games like that make you think, wow, man, this guy could be pretty good. And then he'll just go into a cocoon for the next. I mean, if he if he didn't show up for the game on in Anaheim, and you were like. After it was over, you know, win or lose, you're like, man, did Brock, did Brock Nelson even have a shot in that game? I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest. It's just it's like that every other yep. game. And for those of us that are older, um, that reminds me of Miko Makala. Like Miko Makala was kind of the guy who always ended up, for better or worse, kind of riding shotgun with Pat LaFontaine. And some nights he was one of the better players on the ice. Like he was he was fast and he could score. And, you know, he he and LaFontaine were kind of a formidable duo. And then a month would go by and you'd be like, was he hurt? 
No, he was playing the whole time. He just didn't do anything. Stan Fischler was was another one who was like every other night with this guy. Sometimes <laughs> he looks like Wayne Gretzky, and sometimes he's he's invisible. I don't understand. Yeah. So it's like it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's that old yeah. uh, that old crusty hockey cliche, you know, the enigmatic Russian. Whereas Brock Brock yeah. Nelson is the enigmatic Russian of, of Americans. He's he's the enigmatic Minnesota. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh. Um, but yeah, no, uh, yeah, that was the one positive. Um, the uh, again, Hickey, I thought had a bad game, which is kind of weird for him. Um, you know, Barzell, I, I think is going to have these games where he plays against elite defensive teams and he has trouble sort of generating. Um, it's a little sad to hear that like Anthony Beauvillier has. You know, he's been talking with, with Trotz and nothing terrible or anything, but he's just trying to get things going. And again, it's like Art said, you know, Trotz has been around the block a million times and he's been through this with guys, you know, in whether in Washington or in Nashville who are super talented or talented and just, you know, we're kind of cold and not getting it going. So I think whatever he said to Beauvillier will eventually get things going. I mean, he's going to keep playing with Barzell, I would assume. But he needs to get going at some point. Um, but it's a little disconcerting that it's happening now. But overall, just like they've played four games. And it's just and there are some teams that I feel like play every night. And it's like, how the hell is this possible? Devils fans must be feeling it even worse. Yeah. Like, how the hell has our team only played two games? It's crazy. I feel like the, the, the Senators have played 37 games already. They're, they're yeah. on every night. It's the crazy. Stars. It's just like, yeah, I don't get it. And, and it's just but it's just the NHL, man. I mean, the NHL, the, mm-hmm. you know, what's funny is the NBA starts tomorrow. So the NHL had, mm-hmm. oh, 10 days, basically, where they had us. <laughs> they had everybody to themselves with the baseball regular season was over. Sure. And like I know Saturdays and Sundays, most normal people watching football. But the NHL had an opportunity to, like, you know, throw some crazy games at us. And they didn't do it because yeah. they uh, I don't know. They, they don't. They don't. Yeah. And now forget it with with LeBron on in LA right. and and the whole thing. Forget they're never gonna. This is probably gonna set an all time low as far as NHL like ratings. Yeah, go. yeah, we'll, we'll be we'll <laughs> it's got back to. on OLN in in no time. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, I remember those days. Versus Network, yep. great, oh, the best. <laughs> um, yeah, so. So yeah, I mean it's funny how we're talking and they've played all of one game and there's we we've talked about what we could talk about. There's not much left to say. They lost. So let's look ahead. Um yeah, they have the the Ducks tomorrow, uh excuse me, on Wednesday, uh the Kings on Thursday, which is a tough go. I mean, they've done it for years, so I mean there's nothing new, but that is kind of a like you said, the two two very similar teams. They both play this sort of bruising style. They're, they seem to get bigger every year. I don't know how they how what they're putting in the water and the Gatorade out there, but those guys keep Seem going to get bigger every year. And then they play the Sharks on Saturday at home, which is another – man, it's, it's, that's a tough one. You know, at some point they're going to bust out probably and uh, and get things going. And, you know, it could come against the Islanders. They've had some horror show games out there. Um, and then uh, do they come back after that? Let's see. I'm calling up the schedule right now. Yeah, all right. Then, like Art was saying, they play the Panthers next Wednesday at Barclay Center in front of probably triple digits. So that'll be a fun time. So – it's just a very weird mm-hmm. sort of disjointed. Oh, and, and then they have the Penguins the next night. Oh, great. Oh, no, no, sorry. That's another week later. Um, so it's just a very weird disjointed start, which, you know, at first is sort of like, eh, these guys are never going to get any traction. But then can you wonder if all the practice time under a new coach might be a good thing? Yeah. I don't know. I probably should have asked Art. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of su- it sucks for us. But, like, I'm sure that for the team it's fine. It's a good opportunity definitely to yeah to, mm-hmm. for them to basically – pick Trotz's brain and him to implement everything. And, uh, I, I mean, I, I, I don't understand too, is like, I know obviously there's, there's a lot more variables at play, but yeah. So they go on this like West coast, like why, why aren't they just knocking out the coyotes and the Knights now? It's yeah. cause after they play the sharks, like you said, they, then they have Sunday, Monday, Tuesday off again. So it's like, this it's just mm. so frustrating. Yeah. Then they have a bunch of sort of Eastern conference road games. So it's Philly, it's Carolina. So, um, I don't know. And I don't know how it's going to shake out. And, you know, like we talked about last week, too. I mean, ultimately, this is not a team that has a lot of talent on it. So, you know, they need stuff to go right every single night. And it's probably not going to happen. Right. So at at best, we're talking about a playoff bubble team. So, you know, you, but again, you wonder how this kind of schedule is going to help them or hurt them maybe not at all i don't know yeah it, it's frustrating as a, as a viewer yeah sure. so so i guess so that'll be so they're what two and two basically mm-hmm. and 
then they'll play three games. So one out of their first seven games will be against the Eastern Conference, Eastern Conference team or something like that. It's just great. Yeah, they've already they'll they'll already played finished their season series with Nashville and San Jose before they play any hmm. you know the Penguins or the Flyers. So whatever, it is what it is. <laughs> it is. Uh, so let's see what else. Um, oh, you know what though? You know what's kind of cool? Uh, I was just reading this uh, wonderful Islanders prospect report from uh, today, from uh, at one forty-five p.m. by Corey, who uh, writes a lot of great stuff for the Islanders website. Um, let's see, who was it? Um, Ruslan Ishkahov, he's going to be on TV this week, tomorrow night, Tuesday, ESPN Plus, UConn versus Quinnipiac. So watch that. And then Ishkahov again on Friday will be playing UConn. Uh, no, we're playing Providence, which features Islanders 20, to the 2017 pick Ben Mirages. So you get Islanders prospects on two nights of the week, two of the nights that the Islanders are going to be off. So there you go. Islanders hockey. Yeah. With one guy <laughs> from Quinn, from UConn. Speaking of prospects, the, the, the and the athletic too. I, I, you should have asked Art about this too. And uh, uh, that uh, Corey Pronman wrote like a hundred best prospects in playing in the AHL. And uh, mm-hmm. I think it was Pronman, might not be, but uh, so he he put Sebastian Ajo was in the top ten, which, which wow. yeah, because you know you think you know Islanders defenseman in there, you'd assume it would be Devon Taves or whatever, but. In this whole Devon Taves thing, we completely forgot about Ajo. You know, <laughs> like this, not the yeah. Islanders have two pretty. But the, I mean, I I really liked Ajo's game, and and I think it's because of the way I I felt about Lubomir Viznaski, and and it's they, they remind me a little bit of each other. Even though even though I think Ajo physically looks like a blonde Yarmir Yager, uh, I, I, <laughs> his his game reminds me of Viznaski a little bit, maybe without the shot, but. They're small. They move the puck and like very shifty, getting in and out of like these small areas. I think Viznowski could skate through, you know, like a the grade in a freaking shopping cart if you needed to. Mm-hmm. But uh, the two of them, like, I think really remind me each other. And I think that that's like another thing with like the Spisa stuff and whatever. Like when these guys are at the point, like, I don't, I, I think, I don't think anybody would argue that Devon Taves is is basically he's done with his his education in the AHL. Like he's ready. Uh, they're just whatever happens happens with him, whether it's an injury or they they decide to like to just snip it in the bud with someone. And then and then Ajo is like right behind him, too. So uh, I, re- I really wonder, like, what, when those two guys and how much we're going to see of them in the early going. Because because uh, when Spiza, if Spiza does crack the lineup again it, and, you know, how how long is it going to take? Like, what kind of leash is he on? But uh, yeah, I mean that's that's like another like we we always say like yeah this season probably isn't gonna go great but there are really some nice things to look forward to uh, depth wise and and they have the right guys kind of handling that the scenario. Well, one guy we know who didn't forget about Sebastian Ajo is Spizwolf, who writes for uh, for Lighthouse Hockey, the the president and uh, treasurer and secretary of the Sebastian Ajo fan club. So he definitely did not forget about Sebastian Ajo. I absolutely forgot about Sebastian Ajo, and I'm totally right where you are, where I'm like, oh yeah, it's just because he wasn't mentioned at all during camp, and you know he went down in that sort of like post you know camp waiver thing, and there's like a million names on the list. You totally forgot about him, but. Uh, yeah, he, he definitely showed a lot of signs last year. He's got one assist so far uh, in four games. Uh, Taves has three assists, uh, so he's a little bit. And Michael Dacola is actually leaving the Sound Tigers in points with uh, one goal and four, four assists. Um, you know, and now I'm kind of wondering, you know, as you talk about, you know, the the guys being – guys kind of ready to graduate to the NHL, I, I'm kind of wondering, and I, this would – this isn't going to happen, like, and this would require lots and lots of – probably bad luck and, and bad feelings and all kinds of stuff. But like if you had a, a, a defensive setup of Pellick and Puller and Pullock, sorry, I hate saying those two days, Pellick and Pullock, and then, you know, Hickey and Mayfield. And then like, you know, Taves and, and Aho. I mean, is, was that better or worse than what they have now? <laughs> like I love Johnny Boychuk dearly and he brings so much and I just, he's just a great person and I love him, but you know, eventually that, He's gonna. They're gonna need to make a decision on him, and he might end up being, you know, the sixth guy on the team. And then, yeah, somebody like an Aho or a Taves can slide in there, or maybe both of them. And you know, with Pellick and, and Mayfield, we've talked about it. They both got kind of long extensions. They're pretty cheap. They could be waived. Maybe they could be traded. I don't know. But the future is definitely in Taves and Aho, and it makes you wonder about the present 
with guys like Pellick and Mayfield, who are, you know, aren't bad players. They're just they're not as dynamic, especially on the offensive end, as these other two guys. And you know, they're it's tough because <laughs> we want the Sound Tigers. If the Sound Tigers were really good, then it would be different. Like you'd almost be like, well, you know, they're they're really kicking ass down there, so. I guess it's worth keeping them down there. Maybe they win a Calder Cup, but they're not that good. Like, at least, again, in the early going, things haven't been all that great. Um, and the team up here isn't all that great. So you figure if they can make one good team out of those guys, that would be perfect. But it doesn't really work that way. Th- this is me, by the way, not knowing how hockey operations work, as that guy told us <coughs> uh, in that review a while back. <laughs> it doesn't really work that way. But I'm just kind of spitballing yeah. there. But, yeah, I mean, Aho and, and Taves are good players, and they – Hopefully, she get a shot soon enough to maybe juice the lineup yeah. for the big club. Yeah, I think I think they would. And, and, and I mean, we know what the, the the logic and like the company line is that they want they don't want them sitting in the press box, which would also drive us nuts. So, you know, like, right? Yeah, no, that would we wouldn't yeah. want that either. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, this is also why I probably couldn't be an AHL fan full time is because man, it, like the, they played on they played I guess Friday and Sunday or maybe Saturday and Sunday, and now they're off again until next Sunday. So man, oh no. Yeah, they're off again until Friday, and then they play Friday and Saturday and Sunday, and then they're off again until the next Saturday. So yeah, I can't do that. I don't know what those guys do with uh, them. Yeah, play Fortnite. It's just ins- insane that they, they play three games in a row. It's wild. Yeah. And, and I, 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 I <laughs> yeah, like what, what, a, what a weird, weird minor league that is. <laughs> <laughs> it's been around so long. It's, it's one of those things that's like it's been going so long. I don't think they can do anything about it. It just is what it is. Like, this is the way we've always done it. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's, that is how it's, how it's done, I guess. So that's that. Um, yeah. All right. So, I mean, with, with one game in the books, there's not much <laughs> to talk about. We talked about those West Coast games. Definitely stay up till 10 o'clock uh, and watch uh, uh, After Hours with uh, Brendan and Butch and Shannon. And uh, that'll be a good time. Uh, again, you could watch uh, Ruslan Ishkahov uh, Tuesday and Friday on ESPN2. Uh, that'd be pretty cool watch some college hockey uh let's see oh you know Did I forget you know what else happened today which was kind of funny was uh Eamon uh. McAdam was the was oh was yeah the emergency goalie for the Leafs so uh yeah that's that's really all I have to say but yeah good luck with that <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he'll shut out I'm sure he'll get a shutout he'll be called into action because Freddie Anderson's hurt. yes so I, I I don't know who the backup is. I guess Garrett Sparks. So let's is he's going to get hurt, or his wife is going to go into labor, or his car is going to break down, or something. And Eamon McAdam is going to play, and the Leafs are going to win eight one. And we're going to have to hear about how you know the Islanders have gifted the Leafs a Stanley Cup. That's exactly what's going to happen. It might be happening right yeah. now as we looking speak. For, I don't looking know, forward to it. <laughs> Again, stay off Twitter. I promise you, your life will be better for it. I promise. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, there wasn't much in the way of. Hockey news today. Marco Dano, one of my favorite names, got picked up on waivers by Colorado today. That was it. That was all I saw. I was I was shocked <laughs> um, at the the very light outrage. There was really no outrage that not just from Islanders mm-hmm. fans, but from anyone that like, oh, I can't believe we're not picking up Marco Dano if we're playing, you know, yeah. Derek McKenzie ten minutes a game. So <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Maybe the ship is sailed yeah, on. Let's him. hope so. You know, eventually those guys, yeah, they they get the the because they come in with a such high. The only reason I know who he is is because he came in with like a high draft pedigree. Yeah, and uh, and he's got a great name. Right, and then he yeah. got traded and the whole thing. It's like the Cody the but. Cody Franzen conundrum every every yeah. three months. Yeah, or uh, yeah, Jack Skilly yeah. is another one. Why are we picking up Jack Skilly? We can use this guy. Yeah, okay. Sure. The Islanders had Jack Skilly for a couple <laughs> minutes, didn't they? I don't know. Yeah. yeah, 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 they did. Yeah, it was good. That's right. And then then he was gone. I can't believe we had Jack yeah. Skilly. <laughs> I mean, he's almost the perfect – like, he fits right in with those kind of gonzo, bizarre Islanders of yore. Yep. The Mike Yorks that we were talking about last week. And, you know, the guy's like, oh, right, yeah, they were Islanders. J.J. <laughs> Daniel for the, for me is another one. Oh, yeah, right, he was an Islander, J.J. Daniel. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah and, I, and I remember I was watching uh, the uh, the Flyers put up a video because they were using that same uh, Mac Miller song for their uh, – like their victory song that they used during the 24 sevens. And I was like, damn, those 24 seven shows on HBO. Like, I mean, I still watch the boxing. Well, not anymore because HBO gave up box is giving up boxing. Mm-hmm. But, um, those, those, the penguins with capitals one was so good. And, and so, and cause I was like in the beginning of the, you know, we're actually going to lift the curtain so you can see behind it. And, and the flyers ranger one was all right, even though it was the Rangers. But I remember, <laughs> uh, so they were like showing the, the locker room video of them, like coming in during that year. And ha- Harry Zollner Chuck was there. Yeah. So, 
Another one. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, that the the greatest moment of any of those things was obviously. Everybody knows where I'm going with this. The year that the uh, Leafs and Red Wings played in the Winter Classic, and the Red Wings lost a game to the Islanders that like they never should have lost, and and HBO quit like with Lilia Schreiber over overdub. Like it sounded like you know, the worst thing in the world. Like it was like saving private Ryan and they were all getting slaughtered on the beach or something like that. <laughs> and, uh, that was the one where like drew Miller was going at my Matt Martin yeah. and Matt and Martin's like, you, you, you spend more time in the minors than I did. Yeah. You dumbass. <laughs> Go dye your hair again. And that was the greatest, that's the greatest moment in any of the, yeah, those, I was happy they got there through that year because the year, the first year with the penguins, the Islanders like ended their winning streak or their point streak or Sidney Crosby's point streak. I think it was, and the Islanders mm. wanted to shoot out. DiPietro played. And it was when he, like, skated out. to se- The Islanders were – it was December, and the Islanders were already out of the playoffs. But uh, <laughs> DiPietro, like, skated out to the to center ice to, like, join the fray and, like, knocked over Travis Hammonick celebrating like they just won the cup. And, like, I, I, I was at the game, and I was really excited because I was like, dang, maybe HBO will, you know, do that. But I was right. also really embarrassed that DiPietro did that. I was yeah. like, dude – we just that was that just that game just ended probably an eleven game losing streak that so yeah. oh right and it, but they never mentioned it no though, they right? didn't I think I remember yeah they this. didn't they didn't yeah. they, they just kind of glossed there and Sydney after Sidney Crosby's right. point streak historic point streak came to uh, to an end mm. against some team uh, it's not that important <laughs> <laughs> I hope we're not confusing any of these with the uh, the. Um, the NHL NBCSN thing because they had that one too. That was the one the Islanders were on, right? Like that was because they did one before the Rangers game, and then like we saw that was the one with uh, like Kyle Oposo, and and that was the one where like we saw Tavares like praying to the uh, altar of Mike Bossy. Yeah, that's right, was, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, that, I think that was an NBC. Yeah, that was the NBC one. one. Yeah. yeah, and then and I think I told the story earlier in the year, so stop me if I did about how the NHL Network played the. Uh, NHL All Access from 2002 at like two in the morning, and it was the Islanders 2001 2002 team. Oh God! Did I t- did That's I tell awesome. this story already? No. Yes. Yeah, no. So like, can I buy that on? DVD? I have it. I have it permanently <laughs> DVR'd. So a lot of times, like oh, a wow. lot of times, like if I'm like, not like my mind's racing, I can't fall asleep. I pop it on and just like watch Sean Sean Bates, Steve Webb, and Eric Cairns. They're like they lived in, okay. and Mark Parrish. They all lived in the same house, and uh, yeah, it's great. I mean, it's hysterical to see these guys like. And, and yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I it was on. I, I, I like for some reason I, I was on. I was watching MLB Network and I flipped to two, one channel up, and it's that's the NHL Network. And I like flipped quickly back and forth, and I was like, wait, wait a minute, that looked like Eric Cairns. Yeah. And I, so I flipped back up. I'm like, holy crap! There's no way they're actually showing this. And then they were showing it again three hours later. So I set up the DVR for it. You gotta somehow extract that from your DVR. I just said. Put it on like a yeah. USB stick or something and just send it to me. I don't know how, but that's awesome. I had no idea. I don't have NHL Network. I don't have Game Center anymore either, but uh, that's awesome. I didn't even know they did that. I didn't, yeah, I didn't either. I mean, it was amazing. <laughs> like, so, yeah, maybe yeah. I'll just like put my cell phone in front of it or something and just record that's cool. it. <laughs> uh, the Devils did like an all-access thing at training camp this year because they were in Europe. And, uh, I mean, that would be awesome. I, I would love to see that stuff. And the Islanders are never going to do that. Uh, with Lou in charge, maybe when they move to Belmont and, you know, maybe if the owners maybe put enough pressure on Lou or something, they would. But with Lou, that's never going to happen. Um, but I just like to see that stuff. I mean, it would be cool to kind of see where they live. I, I enjoyed seeing the MSG stuff with like, you know, Barzell driving around Long Island, getting lost, living with the, the, the Seidenbergs, like playing games with his kids. Like, I love that kind of stuff. It's fun. You, you know, you, you want to see that kind of stuff and it makes them them human and that's why i you know another i hate to hate to keep bringing this up but like you know when you're on hockey twitter it's like everybody's trash you know everybody oh this guy's trash his his, you know he's got a minus 1.2 relative coursey last year he's garbage they gotta get rid of him like they're people (laughs) you know i mean dennis seidenberg he's not helpful to the islanders on the ice but i've i enjoyed watching his adventures with matthew young matthew barzell living in his house and playing right. games with his kids yeah. like that's that's fun to me you know and i could separate the i i don't really want this guy in the ice with my team but this is kind of a cool thing to watch and like you're sitting at the dinner table with the wife and the, the kids and everything and it's, it's kind of funny i just like seeing that stuff i wish we saw more of it yeah i'm with you i think i think in this day of like complete data like it, it's just like if you if you liked 
this guy and he sucks. Like, I, I mean, I, I used to love Andy Hilbert and, and he sucked, but <laughs> I liked Andy Hilbert because he was yeah. Andy Hilbert, like whatever. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. That's all you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. No, I like that. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, well again, thanks everybody for, uh, for coming on with us again. It's a little weird to, to talk a few days later, but it's nice. It's good that we can, we can talk again this early. Uh, I just wish the Islanders had more than one game in between, but there we are. Uh, we don't make the schedule, unfortunately. Obviously, yeah, we don't. Join, join we us next. Join us next week for the four-game losing streak edition. <laughs> of course, yes. That'll. Oh, that, but that'll be like old times. Yes, yes. It'll be just like just like a normal a normal uh, show for us. Uh, my movie pick of the week. I saw Venom today. That is not my movie pick of the week. It it wasn't that good. It wasn't nearly as bad as some of the reviews made it out to be. It was just sort of there. The special effects I thought were terrible, and it was incredibly stupid, but it was entertaining for what it was. If you want to watch a better Tom Hardy movie, and you somehow missed it when it was out, you should definitely watch Mad Max Fury Road, which is one of the greatest action films of recent vintage and possibly of all time. All the effects are are practical. Those are real trucks blowing up. There's real gasoline launching out plumes of fire everywhere. Uh, It is awesome. It is really, really great. And you got a lot of time to watch movies, so... You can't go wrong with old, some old Mad Max Fury Road. It's on Voodoo. I got it real cheap. So can you watch it? There you yeah, go. Yeah, so I haven't seen that. Yeah, you got to. Yeah. Oh, that's a great. Movie. I don't know. I've tried. To. And he's got like maybe, he's got like ten lines of dialogue in the whole movie. But they're all. I mean, it's really more about um, Charlize Theron's character and and the, the women that are kind of escaping the bad guy and Morton Joe. But I went. I mean, I read all the great reviews and I'm like, all right, well, we'll see. And I my let me and my two friends left that place like our ears literally in the back of our head like we were just blown away <laughs> how awesome that was and uh, and they have a black and white version too that uh, is supposed to be really cool it's the same thing only in black and white and supposed to it sounds kind of silly but it's supposed to be even better than the full color version but watch a full color version i promise you. i'll trade you I'll, I'll find a way to uh i'll give you my voodoo password you can log in watch that and you send me the islanders 2001 uh <laughs> behind the scenes video yeah i got i got equally find, as entertaining i really got to find a way to to get that uh yeah. It's got to be a way. I'm gonna scan, I'm gonna scan the internet for that. Um, other another thing you should do while you have the time, whether you're on lunch or something like that, won't take you too long. You may have already, but uh, on Friday, uh, our friend Stan Fischler wrote another one of his, uh, you know, Islanders memories pieces. Um, he writes them every week. Obviously, you should be reading them all, but this one, uh, I I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, I actually wrote Stan an email, told him how much I loved it. Uh, it was about Al Arbor and how he came to the Islanders, and we don't really hear that that much. You know, we know we all know what he did while he was with the Islanders, but this talks about his upbringing and you know how he was working in like a, a, a steel mill or something like that when he got the. His, I mean, the kind of things that happened to players in the fifties. You know, they were working in a steel mill and then they end up playing for the Detroit Red Wings and how he bounced around and, and kind of, you know, he found success everywhere, but for whatever reason, he kept being moved. And, you know, he played a couple of years in the AHL after he had won like two Stanley Cups. And then uh, he won a third as kind of part of the overhill, over the hill gang with the Leafs. And then he, you know, captained the Blues for a while. And it was all fascinating stuff that we don't really hear that much, you know, like we don't get that, that aspect of the Arbor story, um, that often. And so it was a really cool change of pace. And you know, again, we all know what he did with the Islanders. We've, we've been over that and it's all wonderful and we can read it every day, but this is a little bit different. Also, whenever Stan tells the story about Al having to chase his car across like the tarmac at Republic airport, uh, it's still funny. And I still wish that, that was, I, that's the kind of thing I wish was on a behind the scenes video of Al Arbor chasing his, like whatever it was, AMC pacer down the, the runway <laughs> after as it's heading for a plane in like 1979. That was probably awesome. Yeah, yeah, he's he's Stan's got a ton of uh, crazy story, I'm, and I'm happy they're they're kind of committing to like an NHL history piece, but from Stan, which is uh, nice, yeah. which is something we've we've always told him to kind of do. So I'm excited. I'm yeah, excited to I'll see make. to see what else he digs up. Yeah, nobody knows more about that stuff. I told him that the the only thing I, the only problem I had with that Arbor piece is that I was thinking about writing the exact same thing <laughs> <laughs> for a, for a series about like Islanders coaches. And uh, and obviously his is going to be infinitely better than mine, so that idea is out the window, and I'm it's back to the drawing board for me. But uh, I'll figure something out, I guess. But uh, yeah, so you should check it out. Uh, I forget what it was called, but I think it was like Arbor's Beginnings or something. But it was from last Friday, and you know, again, you should be reading those those official pieces every week anyway because they're awesome, and, and you know, it's a, it's a little a little slice of heaven for you uh, just before the weekend. Uh, all right, I guess that's it. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Yeah. 
No, that's this was yeah, good. it was. It's it was definitely <laughs> definitely like all day. I was just like they, they really only played one game, so I'm I'm happy that that we were still able to stretch it out. Yeah, no, it's good. Well, I mean, Art's here and he's always giving us great stuff. Yes, that's so. true. Uh, I, we appreciate him again. Thanks a lot for taking some time. I mean, if I was on the West Coast, I'd be like, F you guys, I'm going surfing or I'm going to go eat at Spago or something like that. But I asked him and he came on. So we appreciate that always. <laughs> we'll hook up with him again later on in the season. Um, why don't you tell everybody your Twitter account again? It's uh, the Big Lebowski with two E's. Make sure you follow Mike at the Big Lebowski with two E's on Twitter. Make sure you read Lighthouse Hockey every day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. Yes, finally, I got it right. Five episodes into the season. So you should be doing that every day. Uh, there's great stuff. Jay Bott's doing stuff from uh, from Bridgeport. That's awesome. Uh, we've never had that. <laughs> and I've been wanting somebody to do that for a long time. So thank you very much for doing that. That's great stuff. Uh, you know, any kind of updates we can get from there uh, are great. I mean, obviously, Michael Fornabio is great. But these are just on top of that, too, kind of a different point of view. It's nice to see. So read those as well. Uh, thank you very much. We'll be back next week where the Islanders play... Three whole games. Let's see if they can handle it. Three whole games in a week. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see what happens next. Uh, thanks a lot, and we'll talk to you later. Bye bye.